Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm not going to lie. This is the fourth time I've started this podcast. I'm not sure why. I kept making mistakes and making it all a bit fucking rubbish. And yeah, I didn't I didn't uh I didn't quite mean to. But here we are. Anyway, first of all, massive pink or orange elephant in the room. Uh I I I don't know what I was talking about last week. I was quite embarrassed by it, to be honest, and that's why I gave myself a bit of a hard time on social media. Who the fuck on this God-given earth thinks that California, California is home to Miami? Apparently I did. I don't know where that came from. Genuinely, I've, I think it, I mean, anyone that I've listened to, um, like my content on Musi Audio or stuff like that, you guys know I'm a bit of an American file. You know, I love the states. Um, I'm not. I. I. I'm, I wouldn't say I have amazing geography skills. I know where the big lumps of land are, and I know the like the cities and some towns of the big lumps of land, and and like the general facilities. Facilities. I'm sure there's fine facilities at Miami, but I meant to say vicinity of these said towns or cities. But Jesus, I can only put it down to lockdown. Like we are officially in the Isle of Man out of lockdown tomorrow. Everything goes back to normal. So that's lovely for us. If you're not in the same position, wherever you are in the world, I feel terribly sorry for you because lockdown is fucking inhuman and shit. And in my personal opinion, the wrong way to treat this thing. Anyway, that's a, that's talk for a different podcast. But yeah, I, I'm putting it down to just simply not speaking to enough people, not speaking to enough people. You do monologue podcasts and then you just, you, you're rambling away for an hour on your own and it's just easy to get lost in your own thoughts. And then clearly my brain made a mistake. And instead of like my little correction, I always think of my head as being full of these like little dozer type creatures which um, like they're all running around, like putting words in my mouth and stuff like that. But unfortunately, the one which controls the words coming out, he didn't get any help. And like he's just trying to jam words on going, I've, I don't know what to do. I've, I asked Clive from accounts if, if I could have someone extra. He said, we can't afford any help for me. And what's happened is he's put uh, California out instead of Florida. And instead of correcting the mistake, he just doubled down on it and hoped no one would notice. But um. Anyway, hilarious. I'm an idiot. Next, let's go through the race. Oh, yeah. So I suppose we should address uh, 10 years for, for the uh, Miami Grand Prix of California. Good stuff. I didn't think it would happen when they were talking about it. I really didn't. I really didn't think it would happen. So, uh, 
yeah, it's. I mean, I'm I'm all down for another race in America, and um, it's it's going to be interesting. Hopefully, they can make a good circuit. That that's what it's going to live and die on. Um, I hope they can make a good circuit. I hope it ends up being being more of a um, Azerbaijan than a Sochi. Anyway, right. Let's go through the drivers like we would normally do like we normally do. Uh, Nicholas Latifi, fairly decent race, a decent weekend up till he got pipped in qualifying by George Russell. Um, you know, he, he, he was, he seems to have pretty good pace all the way through testing. Then it didn't work for him in qualifying and it certainly didn't work for him in the race. I'll be the first one to turn around and say, I don't think that accident was his fault. I think he cut across on, uh, uh, on Mazepin and, you know, fairly fucking, Fairly fucking iffy, wasn't it? So I, f- I felt so because immediately everyone thought it was Mazepin's fault. And I mean, let's face it, he didn't. He didn't then shower himself in glory during this uh, uh, during this race. But that accident wasn't his fault, and it was a big accident. And you know, it's especially the way people talk about Mazepin. I think it needs to be pointed out because I- I'm sure there's more than enough people on the internet right now going, "Oh, it's fucking dangerous. He's dangerous." He might be dangerous, but not for that move. Um, up next on the DNF list, as there were only three, I feel like we should speak about this later on, but we're here, and this is the order we do things in. Um, George Russell and Valtteri Botas. Well, um, first of all, let's go let's talk about what they were doing before beforehand because that's that's very much the story of this incident george russell was having a stonker of a race he was doing what we've seen him do now and again it well what we've seen him do quite a lot in qualifying not usually in the race because he hasn't actually had the car to do it with but he had that williams in a position it shouldn't have been in he was in p10 bottas was in p9 bottas was absolutely dreadful from qualifying till this incident. Um, I, I remember I said last week, I believe, on the podcast that I thought the pressure would become too much for Bottas. The pressure of having to be up there, the pressure from the Red Bulls being there, the pressure from uh, his seat being in jeopardy, and I said he would get worse through the season. And I, I this proved it. Again, he was awful, awful. I mean, we first of all we know that that Mercedes, or we sorry, we think that Mercedes isn't quite up there with the Red Bull. Um, but you've got Hamilton at the front, like looking for wins against Max Verstappen, and then you've got Bottas barely hanging on in the points. Now, what I think it, what I think's happened is he's um, he's having a terrible race. He knows it's George Russell behind him. I personally think this incident was Bottas' fault. And hear me out, because I know there's going to be a few of you think that I'm just, I'm being sports racist again and sticking up for the Brits, as I tend to do, or I'm being uh, just uh, like an out-and-out Russell fanboy. Some of you might even know the deep cut that I'm apparently like, slightly related to him as well, but it's nothing to do with that either. Um, Bottas chose his line. Bottas went left. He covered the inside line going into the chicane. We know what you do. Like so, I mean, some of us might not agree with the fact that you can't do it. And I know there was quite a lot of uh, upset about it, wasn't it, in the first place, where people weren't happy that um, you couldn't defend a position anymore, that like you couldn't move twice um, when you were coming into a corner or coming into a breaking zone, uh, or oh, well, when you defended. I'm not. I'm not actually. Con- I'm not sure what the actual stipulations are. I mean, realistically, we know it's when someone's going to pass you. You have to pick a pick a point, put your car in it, and you can't move back across the track. I don't care what you... That, like, those closing speeds were massive. You're talking 180, 190 miles an hour there. Maybe, you know, maybe a smidge more if we're, when you've got DRS. And Bottas jerked right. Only a slight bit, but don't. This is the thing: people aren't thinking about the closing speeds because at that speed, you, 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 you probably had what two foot on the left 
to Bottas and a foot on the right to the grass. And and you're going at 180 to 190 miles an hour. You know, at those speeds, small moves have big results. And I can see why George Russell was upset about it. Now, the big question is, why would an experienced driver like Valtteri Bottas risk such a huge high-speed crash for P9? And that's because it wasn't just for P9, was it? He knew it was the guy that's de- that's trying to take his seat off him. He's trying to take his seat and he's in the worst or second to worst car in the grid. I think Haas has claimed that title now. He's on in the second to worst car on the grid. You're on the you're in the second best car on the grid, if not joint best with a Red Bull, and you're getting harried by George Russell. I think he panicked. I think he panicked. I think he was desperate to keep George behind him because he had that move done. Like the, he the, the speed he went there, there was no there was no way Bottas was going to outbreak him from that position where he was in. Like he he'd won that corner. And oh, he was going to win that corner. I should say. Um, yeah, I think I think Bottas made a, a foolish a foolish move. Uh, worked out well for his teammate, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, that's my position on it. Um, I'm sure I'm sure this is going to be one of those ones that's debated. For me, uh, if if um, Bottas doesn't pick himself up quickly. I really think. Uh, I mean, we're only two races in, so don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call it right now. You know. You know. I'm not that guy. I always like to give things a little bit of time most of the time, uh, even if I am a bit reactionary with with certain things. But you know, as far as driver form goes, we know form's fleeting, and we also know that it only takes a good race to turn things around for somebody. But if he doesn't turn it around within the next couple of races, I genuinely believe that they have to start thinking about how they can get um, George Russell into the Mercedes quickly because Perez Perez nearly did a great job this weekend. He was so close to getting it all together. Uh, I do hope that this doesn't put any issues on it for Perez, but the, the reason I'm bringing him up is we think in very short order, Lewis Hamilton is going to have to fight two cars and you know it's we've seen uh, with Red Bull of uh, with Gasly and um, Albon, we've seen how difficult it can be if you don't have somebody, if you don't if you don't have somebody there as a as a rear gunner. And Bottas was he was gone. He was nowhere. He he was no help to anybody. He he ended up being more help having an accident than he was like. Being in the being in the car, so I I think they have to start thinking about it. Uh, Mazepin, bit spinny, money. Um, like I've been saying, I I I'm willing to give him time to see how he how he develops as as a driver. Um, I'm I'm don't. This is the thing. I think sometimes when people hear me hear me um, defending Mazepin. They start to think that I'm doing it because I think he's a good driver. I don't particularly think he's a good driver. I just don't believe that uh, he should have his career analysed the way he's doing it, uh, the way it's being analysed, just because of a, a pretty distasteful, albeit, social media exchange. Um, yeah, I uh, I question some of the people uh, so especially some of the other Formula One, um, other Formula One pundits, like I'm a pundit. I don't know, just just a guy with gear and a mouth, aren't I? Really, but uh, some of the some of the people out there which would consider themselves part of Formula One, part of the Formula One furniture, and uh, like comment commentators on the sport, I question their. Uh, their motives, to be honest, behind the way the way they're attacking uh, Mazepin on social media, I think, I think it's a bit wrong. But again, that's just one of those things. But he wasn't good today, and he is going to start getting to that point where 
I mean, he's he looks very much like Lance Stroll did to me. Lance Stroll was crashy and spinny when he came in. Eventually, he had enough money to buy himself enough time to where he's become a, a mediocre at best driver. I'm sure Mazepin, given enough time and a slightly better car, could also be a mediocre Formula One driver. But I, I don't expect any. Um, I don't expect any wins or world championships from him. Uh, someone else I don't expect wins and world championships from is Mick Schumacher, his teammate, who stuffed it uh, into the wall. Like, wasn't ideal, was it? Under a safety car. You're going to go, oh, yeah, but George Russell did that. And that's fine. George Russell did do it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've not... Mick Schumacher's not setting the world alight for me. He's not, like... His father wouldn't have made the mistakes he's making, I don't think, in the same situation as a child. And that's who he's being compared to all the time. Well, not as a child, as a young driver. Uh, so he, that's who he's being compared to. He has a tough, tough job. Um, but I, I feel he's he's in the sport because of his surname uh, and surname alone. I, I think it'd be interesting to know what some of the other drivers in F2 think about whether he was given preferential treatment within F2. I know Dan Tickton certainly believed he was helped to win the F3 championship. And I've said all along that he will get found out fast in Formula One because I don't believe there's going to, there's the same opportunity for people to help you do well in Formula One. I think it's slightly different in the Lover series, especially being the spec series. Uh, yeah, I just, I, do, I don't have high hopes for Mick Schumacher. I know people give it this, always. Oh, he's, he's a slow burn, he's a slow burn. I'm I'm yet to really see the Formula One slow burn. I think you can pretty much tell when people come in if there's something special about them. Even Russell in the Williams, you could tell there was something about him. Um, the minute uh, Lando was in, you could see it. Max Verstappen. Uh, Charles Leclerc to a certain extent, you know, it's, I know you, you guys know I'm not, I don't, uh, I don't sing too much of the Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc choir, but he's a good Formula One driver. Don't get me wrong. I just don't, I don't think he's that guy that Ferrari need. I think he's, I think realistically Charles Leclerc looks like he would be a good number two for an exceptional driver. That's my issue with the way Charles Leclerc spoke about uh, Sebastian Vettel, another weekend to forget. Uh, he didn't finish. He was a DNF, but because he finished so uh, on lap 61, he was classified. So that's why we hadn't already spoke to him. He uh, retired with a gearbox problem, I think. Had to start from the pit lane, had to stop and go. Um, it's just, it doesn't rain, but it pours, does it, for um, Sebastian right now? So, yeah, not great. Not great for Sebastian. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi was even in the race. Who knows? Uh, Yuki Tsunoda, he did so well. He got he got himself up to P10, I believe, and binned out of P10. He made up 10, oh, it may, might have been slightly higher. I know he made 10 positions up at one point. Um, yeah, it, it was just one of those things. Again, I think, like I say about the... I said about Mick Schumacher, I think you can see there's something special in Yuki Tsunoda. How much? Who knows? But there's definitely something. There's something else there, isn't there, in him? So I'm I'm excited to see what um I'm excited to see what we what we get from him. Uh Sergio Perez, he had a abysmal race as well. Should have qualified on pole, qualified second, all looking good, wasn't it? All looking good. Mugged off the start. Mugged off the start by uh by his teammate and you know it's again it's one of those situations where you don't want to see somebody start to spiral out of control you know and that's that's what i think you can you might see we've seen it before now with three other people albin albin looked great in his first year didn't he in his first year of uh, uh formula 1 when he came into into the red bull Sorry, his first like part year in Red Bull when he came into uh, into the team, and he he did really well. And I even predicted on Three Legs Four Wheels that if he kept that up, he would be given Max Verstappen a hard time. Uh, that did not come to pass. 
but I and I I I get the same feeling here, like because I mean, yesterday when Perez out qualified um, Max, I know you could turn around and say, "Well, Max made a mistake," and that's fine. But you know, it's in order to in order to get the time on the board, you have to get the car around the track. That's you know, and 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 do it on the correct bits of track as well. So if he didn't do that, then you can't say, "Oh well, he should have had pole because he didn't get it." Um, the same the same with uh, Sergio Perez to a certain extent because he he could have had pole as well, but he made a slight mistake and he didn't get it. But he did get second and he did out qualify uh, his teammate. But then it came to the race and it just did not work for him. So I mean, I, I suppose it was it was an issue for him anyway because. I mean, he was on the soft tire, I believe, and uh, you know he's 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 he had he probably had first in the bag, turn one first in the bag. If they'd started on dry tires, you know, it just it destroyed the strategy they had in place for him. And as we saw from um, Lando Norris, which we'll talk about later on, those soft tires hung on for a while as well. So. He might have been in like a good place in that race if he if we'd have started on a normally dry, a normal dry race. I'm so sorry. Whoa. I'm sorry, sorry for that yawn. Oh, I hope. Oh my god, have, have I made you yawn? Um, tweet me uh, or send me an Instagram message at a total shunt if you yawned because I yawned. Sorry for the, for doing the yawn. It's been a long day and it's gonna be a long night because I've got another podcast to, to record after this. Um, Fernando Alonso 11th I don't think Fernando Alonso has been so innocuous in a race in my entire life I mean I I, I didn't understand what was going on with him where, where was he what happened he I mean he didn't get past his teammate he he was out qualified by his teammate Um, I'm, I'm not happy about it you know I mean the last thing I want is for Fernando to have a comeback that ends up being like a bit of a damp squib. Sorry, now I'm having a drink as well. Um, so yeah, like just complete, completely innocuous race from Fernando. Uh, Esteban Ocon, good race from Esteban, you know, under tricky conditions. He got himself into the points. Um, he's not looking bad nowadays, is he? You know, that, we we that car's not looking where we thought it was going to be. I th- that car certainly isn't where Fernando thought it was going to be. You do wonder with him having such a quiet race. You do wonder whether this is going to be the beginning of angry Fernando. That's quite vocal about where the team's going. He he seemed happy with the update. You know he was um, he was pretty jubilant about what 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 had come his way. Uh, he was really confident going into uh, qualifying. Didn't even do a track walk, I believe. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a bit confused at what happened to Fernando. We'll see in a couple of races. I'm sure we are going to get the Matador back and everything will be grand. And I've just ended up talking about Alonso again instead of Ocon when I moved on to Ocon. But then the brakes, that's what happens when you're Fernando's teammate. Kimi Raikkonen, good race by Kimi. I believe there's some sort of investigation going into him over something that happened at the uh, at the um, buying the safety car. So I do hope he keeps his position. Mind you, that would give Alonso a point, and I would like that as well. Um, I don't really know what he was investigated for, but again, when you look at his teammate down in 14th position and a lap down, um, Kimi Raikkonen being up. And getting himself two points in ninth is a good result. Uh, we also think that that car is uh, is better than, you know, is we, we think that car might be a little better than what's being shown off as well. So that'll be interesting to see over the next couple of uh, next couple of days, like next couple of days, next, next few races. Um, Pierre Gasly in the Aguri. Oh, why did I? Why did I say Aguri? I was going to say Alpha Tauri. What is wrong with my brain these days? What is wrong with my brain? Uh, Pierre Gasly, again, very quiet race. I think it's because we had so much action up front. Uh, it's easy to forget some of these people. 
Uh, I, I don't know what Pierre, Pierre did during the race. Really no idea. But he got himself some points. Good man. Lance Stroll scoring points for Austin Martin. Uh, he's he's doing all right, isn't he? When you consider that Austin Martin is not the car that they expected it to be, they've lost a load of downforce from where they were last year. The you know they're they're complaining to the stewards, wanting to try and get the rules changed uh, to try and help them close some downforce back. That feels like it's. Uh, if if it's a bold move, you know we, we've we've lost too much downforce. Can you just fix this? Um, I feel it's it's only the only, it's the sort of move that can only be pulled by a billionaire. It was like no no fix this for me. It's Lance Stroll storming into the kitchen. Go, Daddy, Daddy, I need you to I need you to make the car faster. Yes, Daddy. So uh, that's exactly how they speak in Canada, by the way. Um. So yeah, it's but yeah, Lance Stroll. He was complaining about the car. Uh, I think he had a couple of uh, he had a couple of problems. He swore at one point. I th- I think seventh's the best he could hope for. I mean, that uh, Alpha Tari looked like a better car. Um, that Alfa Tauri is a better is a better car than the Aston Martin, and he finished ahead of that. He finished ahead of the Alfa Romeo, and I think you would argue that that you know those those cars are up there or better than the, where the Aston Martin is right now. Daniel Ricciardo sixth. There's a lot to talk about with Ricciardo here. Um, I mean, I, I I'm surprised where he is. I know he's joined a new team. I know it's different for him, but let's face it, he is uh he's a Formula One veteran now. He's driven for different teams before. He, like, I tell you that he's a good one, a good example. Um did Jensen Button win his first race for McLaren? I believe he did. Was that the crazy, crazy wet driveway race he won in Australia? You know, it's, when when Button moved from Braun to uh, McLaren, it didn't feel like it took him time to get used to the car, time to integrate himself into the team. He was like a McLaren driver from the word go. I thought that's what would happen with Daniel Ricciardo, and it just hasn't. Good for good if you're a Lando fan, because I think this is a big year. It's a big, big proving year for both of them, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, I was surprised. Um, you know, when his teammate got through, got through, Lando dropped him by four seconds, rapidly, rapidly dropped him. Uh, and and he also he's the guy in qualifying as well, and that's always what. That's always what was. Uh, Ricardo's strong point wasn't it he was always able to throw a lap together so yeah it's interesting I, I'm going to be interested to see what, see what happens because he's being made to look very ordinary at the moment is Daniel Ricardo, and I'm surprised because I always had him as a potential world champion and he doesn't look like a potential world champion at the moment uh, Carlos Sainz, considering the expeditions he had, where it seemed like every 10 minutes he was trying to emulate his father in the gravel, he managed to rescue it from somewhere, finish two seconds behind his teammate and get fifth position. I think that's an absolute win for Sainz, considering. Uh, and realistically, you've got to think that when you have that many issues and you finish just behind your teammate, it's you, you've got to... You've got to tip your hat to the guy. I I'm I still think that when that car starts to come towards the drivers and Carlos Sainz gets his gets his feet under the table even further, I think Carlos is gonna have Leclerc. He's just got to get used to driving that car. There's you know, it's clearly a tricky car to drive. We've seen it, we've seen it with Ferrari and other drivers before, just like Red Bull. So yeah, Carlos is looking good, I think. He's looking the best newcomer to his situation when you look at the guys that have come back like Alonso into uh, Alpha Tauri um, Sebastian Vettel going to Austin Martin 
uh, and Daniel Ricardo going to McLaren, uh, Carlos Sainz is doing the best job of all of them. So you know it's that sh- Carlos Carlos should should really get some recognition for that. Uh, Charles Leclerc, good solid race from Charles Leclerc. I don't think Ferrari expected to be where they were this weekend. He um, he looked set for a podium at one point. It was then t- then took away from him. Uh, but yeah, I was. I, I mean, he was mugged on the restart, wasn't he, by uh, Lando Norris? That, that was a that was a. It was like that was really one of those race making moves, wasn't it? When uh, Lando got himself into second place, you know. So uh, good stuff from Leclerc, though. Uh, more points on the board. It's going to be close between them and McLaren this year. I think they are. We're going to see Ferrari and McLaren together quite a lot on the circuit. Uh, I, I I think the dreams of the Alpha Tauri being up there as third best team on the grid is starting to go in there. That you you're going to see them slip, sort of firmly midfield. Good car, but firmly midfield as McLaren and Ferrari are like the teams that can really develop, or or at least not really develop because I don't see there being much much in the way of development this year, but. If anyone's bringing stuff to the stuff to the to the races, you expect it to be stuff like teams like McLaren and Ferrari. You expect their bits to work better than maybe AlphaTauri as well. And then <laughs> there's our boy, our boy Lando in third. I was so happy. Oh, I was so happy for him when it looked like that. I had five pound on him to get a podium. That won me thirty. That was nice. Um, it's just great. He's 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 my guy. I I want him to do well. I want him to do so well. I want him to do all of the wells, all of the wells. I ever is how I want him to do. Um, but he's looking like an absolute weapon behind the wheel at the minute, isn't he? Weapon in the good sense, not weapon in the bad sense. I like to use that word for both in both situations. But I hope you'll get where I mean this to be. Um, yeah, he's he seems to have come on over the winter. You know, sometimes you get drivers that just have these moments where they stop being a rookie driver or and they become, oh, right, this guy's going to be around for a long time. You know, it's you can buy a Lando Norris hat and feel quite comfortable that you're going to, you can wear it to a few races over a few years. If you actually want, if you want to wear the same hat over and over again, you know, it's, he's, does he look like a world champion? I'm sure someone's asked me that in the, like in the talking points, like that we'll go through in a little bit. Uh, I think he's looking very good. And I think he's going to do his reputation. All of the wells again, if he can do, um, Daniel Ricciardo, who is rated very highly and still is rated very highly. But Lando is putting pressure on him, pressure to perform. And it's great to see. It's, we've got such a good, and I can't think of a time where it's been like this, actually. Uh, and I will, I will include Leclerc in this as well. But when you look at the likes of Lando, you look at Verstappen, you look at Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, um, Duke Snowder upper in there, George Russell. We've got such a fine crop of young drivers. They're so good, you know. And any of them, like you, any of those names. I mean, maybe the jury's out on Snowder. Don't get me wrong. Let's let's give him a season to bed in before we can start making crazy predictions. But any of those names, names. You, if someone turned around and said potential world champion in the right car. You'd believe it. Absolutely believe it. I can't remember a time in certainly British motor, motor racing. I can't remember a time when you had two drivers as young as George Russell and Lando Norris that are as good as they are. You know, it's it's like having two Jensen Buttons when Jensen first came in or two uh, Lewis Hamiltons at the same time because you, I mean, Lewis is slightly different because Lewis came into a, a race winning team. You know, it's that that's there's, there's a huge difference there. And there's nothing, no, there's nowhere, there's nothing to say that George Russell or Lando Norris couldn't have done a similar job. You've no, you, because you just don't know. 
But I'm I'm just saying two exceptional, possibly future world champions in those two guys. It is an exciting time to be a British motorsport fan, especially when you look at Lewis Hamilton, who we, we you know it's every year we seem to talk more and more about when he's going to retire. It's sooner rather than later, probably. You know, it's if you get another two, three years out of him, I think that'd be that Leo that that'd probably be the max of what I expect to see Lewis Hamilton for. Personally, I think if he wins the world championship this year, he'll step away from Formula One. Um so yeah, I I I I'm I'm so happy that we have these guys. Now we move on to Lewis Hamilton. What race Lewis had? Like I mean it, it was a shame because we were robbed. We were robbed at the start because of the contact that clearly damaged Lewis's car. He lost one of the end plates in his front wing. So we were robbed of the Lewis Hamilton uh, Max Verstappen battle. Then he, he hung with him. Uh, you know, and in those drying conditions where the, the intermediate started to drift, like drift off, we've seen it from Lewis before. He had so much pace. You know, he was catching Max at a vast rate of knots. Max, Max pitted. His uh, Lewis's pit stop uh, when he when he pitted the lap after th- they fucked the right off him. He had the uh, Alpha Alpha Romeo goes went past. Next thing is you've had you've got a four second stop. Max Verstappen is still in the lead. That what a shame. But the real shame was the fact that he went off because if he'd have stayed on, if if he hadn't have had that off, uh, obviously the red the red drop which brought him back into contention. But the red would have dropped whether he had that off or not. Uh, on the restart, we'd have had a t- titanic battle between Max and Lewis, and I'd have, I, I'm so so upset. We're gonna get those battles this year, though, and that's the most exciting thing. It's so exciting. The both those drivers are incredible. Even on the, I, I know Lewis, they had that little bit of coming together and stuff like that. But when you consider, they didn't know where the grip was. The the like the weather was treacherous and the driving from both of them was amazing, and I uh, it's this is going to be such a good year and I think it's going to go down to the last race. I mean, we could even find ourselves in a situation this year where you have two drivers fighting for a win that is fighting for a world for the world championship. Uh, that's how that's how tight I see this going. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that in Formula One in my time of watching. I'd have to go back and check. Um, Villeneuve Hill, obviously, that 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 race was for the World Championship, wasn't it? Last race. Um, Rosberg Hamilton went to the last race, didn't it? But it kind of it was mathematically possible, but it wasn't going to happen. Um, Oh, obviously, Kimi, Kimi win the win the championship, and and Hamilton. Ignore me; I can remember lots of these races. Um, <coughs> God, if I'm not yawning, I'm coughing. It's this is this is a if if I was more professional, I'd edit it. Uh, but yeah, like you know, I'm not the biggest Lewis Hamilton fan, but I I appreciate his driving capabilities, and that's a strange way to put it. His skills, I pre. I appreciate them dope skills he's got. And I, I just want to see more of it. Him and Max. Max drove an uh, race winner. Drove an impeccable race. He was bulletproof. Apart from maybe that almost, he, 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 he slid under the safety car, didn't he? Then regained his position. And when was the other one? The Oh, sorry, on the parade lap. And he had a couple of little moments, but you know, it never looked in doubt, did it? Once, once Lewis had had crashed, and he had uh, you know the you had the safety car uh, restart and stuff like that. It it didn't really look in doubt. It was just a case of whether Lewis could get himself up onto the podium. But we've got a great year. Yeah, we're two races in. We don't want to get. I don't want to get too over the top in case Lewis goes and wins five races on the bounce. But, you know, the one point in it, I, I just want to see them trade wins now. I want to see them trade wins and fastest laps all year. I don't want to see the World Championship win with a fastest lap, though. That would be awful. Um, 
I said to you earlier, if there was any talking points you want to bring me up, bring up you want me to bring up. So I'll have a little looksy on my phone on the tweets. Um, where is it again? I should really start doing this. This has been so it's been such a rush trying to trying to do this today. The uh, the stuffs. Um, Dean. I can't pronounce your surname. Uh, uh, Lando uh, has taken a step forward. Looks like he could be a tip-top driver. I agree. I, I'm I'm going to put my neck out here and say I think he's a potential world champion. And I think he will beat Ricardo handsomely over the course of the year because the head's just up. He's got, he's got it within his, within his teeth. And that McLaren seems to suit his driving style better than it does Ricardo's. Russell be in that Merc before the end of the year. I think he very well could be. He was briefly in it this afternoon. Um, Bottas is done. Lewis is destroyed. And George put the, uh, put the final nail in the coffin. I think you could be right there. Uh, I think it was it was that race in Bahrain with George that Valtteri realized that his, his time was like numbered. Uh, Grim said, why is Bottas still in Formula 1, let alone in the Merc? Spent ages running in the middle of the pack while Lewis uh, went from ninth to second. Uh, that's a very good point, and I should have brought that up before. You know, it's Lewis went from where I mean, obviously the pack was a bit more sp- spread out when Bottas had to do it, but still, yeah, you, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, Bottas couldn't have done what Lewis Hamilton did. Um, Centerio nasty. Uh, to be fair, Lewis had a much drier track in DRS. Uh, oh, sorry, that was a reply to that one. Uh, but it's still poor for showing from Bottas. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Centauri. Um Right, Andrew Pryor said, uh, does Russell bottle it under pressure uh, in, when he's in the points too much? Poor uh, poor restart in Mangella last year, binned at, uh, at Imola and had a cr- uh, today and had a crash. Now, I, as you I said before, I think that was Bottas's fault. Um, yeah, if uh, Kevin Thompson, if Russell had pulled off uh, the, uh, the overtake, uh, he would have had a great case for the Mercedes seat uh, sooner rather than later. Bottas will lose them, the constructors. You see, now that's why I put a sneaky tenor on McLaren to win the constructors. But unfortunately, Ricardo is kind of fucking this for me because I thought Bottas would stop bottling it, which he's doing. And I thought um, that Perez would struggle to get his head around the Red Bull, which is what's happening. Uh, but I didn't expect Ricardo to go as off the boil as he did. Uh, is there any more comments here from you guys? Uh, Kevin Thompson. Uh, Uh, the change in Otmar from one year to the next. 2020 openly copies Merck and is very smug, saying uh, competitors should have done a better job. 2021 throws tantrums because copying the Mercedes didn't work. That's not not a bad. That's not a bad observation. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not a good look, is it? Um, on Instagram, we have. Uh, Hammerhead, I don't, I don't know what, I can't see what your real name is, sorry, but you know who you are because you've, because you typed your nickname in. That's why you know who you are. Jesus Lee, pull it to fucking gather. You're supposed to be on a sports network now. This is, this is supposed to be your, your move into the, into the professional leagues. You're fucking Perez in it, mate. Um, Lando or Russell over the next 10 years who will be viewed as the better driver. Do you know what? Until this year, I would have said, obviously, George Russell. I'm not sure now. Now, I know uh, from people that I've spoke to that have been sort of guests and things on Three Legs, Four Wheels, uh, I'll say people that know, those those that know, those that should know, that um, there's a strong contingent when talking about British drivers that uh, inside the paddock say George Russell gets all of the nods because he's part of 
the uh, the Mercedes driver program and people look at him as being, oh, well, he's going to be the next successful British driver because he's Mercedes elect. But that the, there's more than a few sort of driver scouty type people. You know, the, 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 the guys like um, Peter Windsor and stuff like that, they're considered, you know, they're, they're the, the ones that watch the driver. Not, I don't mean Peter Windsor in particular. I just mean people like him, which show more of an interest in the drivers than the cars and the engineering side. Those people rate Lando Norris very highly and have rated him very highly since he entered Formula One. Now, I, d- I don't know how many of you have heard this episode of Three Legs, Four Wheels, but where when I was on a podcast with them, I w- we were lucky enough to get um, Roman Grosjean's ex-chief engineer on. And when he worked for Carling, he did... The uh, he was the engineer on the Formula Two car, or what? What? Yeah, what would have been a GP two car when Lando Norris got a tryout, and he was like twelve or something ridiculous when he was first given a run in a single seater like that, and he said he was scared clipping him in because of how small he was, and he he remembers thinking to himself, "God, I can't believe they're going to let somebody this young." Uh, loose in a car like this. And apparently, he was very competitive. He threw laps in, but uh, the, that race engineer was saying when he was doing that, he thought this kid must be special for them to be giving him this opportunity in a car like this at this age. So, I mean, me, I like Lando and I like George Russell, fans of them both. I do have like there's that you can't not have a soft spot for George for um fucking hell. You can't not have a soft soft spot, can you, for Lando Norris? He just seems like such a nice kid. You know, it's, he's like as as a father, you look at him and go, "Oh man, you know, it's if if my son was to grow up and be and end up like like you, I'd be I'd be I'd think I'd done a good job somewhere along the lines." Um, I'll never forget uh, interviewing Lando at the McLaren Technology Center. I was so nervous. The uh, McLaren Technology Center is just an unbelievably like daunting place to be. Like, it's so quiet. It's like the, it's the quietest, biggest, most expensive waiting room in the world. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those places, you know, there's some, you go to certain places and you feel so nervous. You don't want to clear your throat. Are you there? Like, going... <coughs> you know, it's just, it's like that you don't want to you don't want to draw attention to yourself. And I asked him a question about sim racing and I fucked the question up. And um he was kind enough to finish my question for me, make it relevant, and give me a good answer and not make me look like an idiot in front of all the like the because the, there were pro journalists there. There were like guys from the newspapers and the guys from like Autosport and Crash.net and stuff like that. And then there's me, a painter and decorator from the Isle of Man that has the audacity to decide that anybody can be bothered listening to what he thinks about Formula One. But yeah, uh, he, I, 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 really, I, I really appreciate that. Hopefully one day I will have the opportunity to speak to Lando again and uh, I will thank him. I will thank him for not allowing me to look like the idiot I am. Anyway, that's us for the week. Uh, thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, I, I hope you're enjoying this being a weekly weekly thing. Um, I think I will organize doing my podcast slightly different next week, so I'm not doing it in such a rush. Uh, I mean, this is the thing about having exciting races and doing a podcast immediately after them or trying to, because first of all, I like doing the podcast immediately after because it means you get like my thoughts on it straight away. Sometimes they're not right because, for instance, when I do Three Legs, Four Wheels tomorrow, um, I'll have probably watched like countless interviews with people and I'll have more information, but it's not quite the same as just doing this quick candid thing is it i like i like doing this podcast like this so anyway you're all lovely thank you for following me over to the uh, sports social podcast network uh with, with this podcast and thank you for all the support and 
just talking to me online. It means a lot. Like it does. Like it's uh, you guys that ever since I've been doing like motor racing podcasts uh, make Formula One better for me because I like I, I don't know if you guys find find the same thing. Maybe you, maybe you're lucky enough to be in circles with lots of Formula One uh, friends. But for years, it was just me. It felt like it was just me and my dad, and like maybe Paul Nicholson that like I could speak to you about Formula One. I didn't know Chris Flood, for instance, from Three Looks Four Wars. I didn't know he was uh, interested. I didn't know Dan um, from Three Legs either. Yeah, it's so. I, I'm, I've spent most of my life enjoying Formula One in a very small group. And to have more people that I can speak to face-to-face about Formula One is great. But also, you know, it's having you guys message me on social media about it or tweets during the races and stuff like that. You know, use, use make Formula One more interesting for me. And uh, thank you for... Thank you for helping me enjoy something I already enjoy much more. And I'm going to go because I feel soppy. And you know I'm not soppy. I'm dead hard. So I'm now I'm going to have to go into the garden and eat live animals to remind myself of that. Anyway, I will see you next week where we will talk about all the Formula One news and races and whatever because I don't even know if I've got a race next week. I don't know. I'll have to check the calendar. Fuck, life's com- life comes at you fast. Uh, Ciao. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.